Uh, The reading is from uh, 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one, just as he determines. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to to God. Hear the Gospel of our Lord according to John, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's just pray before we begin. Father, we pray that you would um, open up your word to us by your Spirit and move our hearts this morning by what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, first impressions are lasting impressions. At least that's how the saying goes. And you may have had some first impressions about me this morning, and um, for me that's a bit of a depressing thought, as I'm not that socially adept. For instance, 
when I first met my wife, Catherine, um, I saw her, I, I wanted to speak with her, I, I wanted to come across well, and so my attempts to um, speak to her and provide intelligent conversation, well, they backfired, and she found me overly intellectual and far too earnest for her liking. And so it took me months from that point to show her that I actually do have a sense of humor. First impressions stick with people. And it was the same in Jesus' time. Our gospel reading gives us an account, according to verse 11, of the first miraculous sign that Jesus performed in his public ministry. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that some people look at this sign as a kind of warm-up for Jesus. As if Jesus is thinking, well, I'll I'll warm up with a little water into wine, then maybe a few bigger and bigger healings, and then the resurrection. That'll be my grand finale. But Jesus never missed a trick. This isn't some sort of warm-up here for him. He's setting the agenda for his entire ministry. In Greek, the first the word that means first, arche, it can also mean primary. So it may be, it may just be that this miracle shows us more than any of the seven others in the book who Jesus is and what he's come to do. In other words, it shows us his glory. I have only two things I want to point out to you this morning from this passage. One, Jesus Christ is the Lord of the wine. And two, he invites you and I to drink deeply. So first, Jesus is the Lord of the wine. Why is it that Jesus' first sign was the production of a vast amount of extremely tasty vintage wine? He could have chosen to raise the dead first or heal the blind, maybe, but he chose wine. But even if we're left in the dark, apparently the disciples weren't. Verse 11 records that his disciples put their faith in him as a result. What did they know that we don't? Well, it might just be that they knew their scriptures a little better than we do. Because all throughout the Old Testament, God promises to send a Messiah to save his people. And when he sends that Messiah, he tells of signs by which they can recognize him. And in many passages, including Amos 9, 11 to 15, and Isaiah 25, 6 to 10, which you may want to turn to after the service today, he promises that there will be an overabundance of wine, wine dripping from the mountains. And it's a symbol of the joy and the feasting that will accompany this Messiah when he comes. And so, with that bit of background that a first century Jewish person at this wedding feast may have had in mind, the most difficult part of the passage becomes a little bit clearer. Look down to verses 3 and 4 with me, if you will. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. 
Mary asks Jesus to help with the wine because she remembers the angels and the virgin birth. She knows who Jesus is. She knows he's not normal. He's the Messiah. But Jesus responds to her request with a gentle rebuke. I don't know if you caught that. The NIV uh, softens it a bit by putting it as dear woman, but it's woman. Why? What's it to you and me, basically? Because Mary, along with the rest of the disciples, she doesn't yet know what it's going to take for Jesus to provide that abundant wine that they've been promised. Jesus says, my time has not yet come. Jesus' time, or hour, is a theme throughout John's gospel, and it's always in reference to the hour of his crucifixion. Jesus knows that the only way he can fulfill those prophecies is by his death. He provides the choice wine of the new covenant that makes those stone jars obsolete by shedding his own blood. And because he drank that cup of God's wrath and he drank it down to the dregs, he can invite all who put their faith in him to an eternal feast. So this sign in Cana, this abundance of wine, feasting, celebration, all this that Jesus provided is showing us why he's putting himself through that hour. Because even with 150 gallons of wine, as he produced here, the party in Cana eventually ended. The glory he revealed there was only a temporary glory. But Jesus is Lord of the wine. And on the cross, he provided enough for all people to taste and see his goodness. Both now and for eternity. Have you tasted the choice wine? Because Jesus invites you and I to drink his wine. Because Jesus poured out his blood for us when that hour came, he now offers you and I a seat of honor at his wedding feast. When he's finally united with his church, you can be there. And when you imagine eternity, don't think about clouds and harps and some ethereal existence. Think about wine and feasts and excitement. Think about how a bride feels on her wedding day. That's what we're promised. That's the depth of emotion and physical sensation that you're promised when you come to Jesus. You can taste it today. And you can be sure that you'll be at that feast. But what do you have to do to receive it? Two things. Admit you're out and take all the credit. First, admit you're out. What did it take for Jesus to respond to the need at the wedding feast? All Mary had to do was come to him and say, we've run out. And Jesus only demands the same from us. Are you ready to admit you're out? 
maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time. Maybe you've squeezed all the sweetness that you can from your relationships or your possessions. Maybe you've tried to do what is right again this week and you've messed it up. And now, all you can do is come to Jesus and say, I'm out. I'm empty. Fill me up. And he will. And secondly, take all the credit. The bridegroom in the story, he messed up, didn't he? He deserved to be judged in the court of public opinion because he failed to provide enough wine for all the people. But when the miracle happened, did you notice who got all the credit? He was praised for what Jesus provided. And it's the same for you and I. When you take what Jesus offers freely, you receive God's favor, even though you don't deserve it, even though you deserve his judgment. It's not fair, but it is grace. Jesus is Lord of the wine, and he's revealed his glory. Will you let him fill your cup this morning? Amen.